Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Tony Cotty, and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast. You are listening to the We Are West End podcast with me, Will Pugh, Tom Edwards and James Jones. And if, like us, you have just sat through 210 minutes of the two most boring football games ever to have been played in the history of the game, then I feel for you. But rest assured that us here on the We Are West End podcast will try and ensure that the next 90 minutes are far more entertaining. The wheels, it seems, are falling off at West Ham. We've plummeted to sixth in the league. We couldn't beat relegation fodder Fulham away. And then we absolutely whimpered at Old Trafford, particularly in extra time, as frustrating mistakes cost us once again as we crashed out to the FA of the FA Cup to Manchester United, as we seem to do every single year. We're recording this podcast, me and the lads, straight after the Manchester United game. So the reaction from all three of us is particularly raw. I've already written off my friendship with James Jones, which is a shame as I was growing really attached to him because he's defended Saeed Ben Rama and said, and I quote, I thought he was pretty good after he came on. James Jones, you are a shambles. Saeed Ben Rama is a shambles. As you can tell, I'm in an extremely bad and irrational mood already. So I'm sure there'll be some good sound bites from me tonight. How are you? What are your thoughts? I'm absolutely fine. Mate. I'm just a little bit worried about you. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, okay. It's gutted to be going out the FA Cup. I thought it was, uh, it was a good opportunity this season, but um, I thought Ben Rama was was pretty good when he came on. I know we'll go and go into a little bit more, but he was the was it, one of the, was it one, the, of the ten, very, one of the very few players. One of the very few the players. Ten times you like gave the ball away. Some. Sorry to keep talking over you, but was it the ten well, times think, you gave it away, or the 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 repeated occasions you slowed the play down? But, at least he was trying to make something happen. Um, there were very few players on the pitch that had the ability to make something happen. It was a very 
Um, and this isn't Moyes' fault. It was a very negative, negative approach to the game, negative lineup, um, because we just didn't have the personnel there. He's come on, probably should have come on, come on earlier and um, and done all right. So, yeah, I think I think you're being very, very harsh on a man, to be honest. Mm, well, I mean, other than that, I'm all right. <laughs> well, you're far too upbeat for my liking, James. You've just got out of the FA Cup frustratingly. Oh, Tom, how are you? You're Ben Rama's biggest fanboy, so we won't start the podcast by picking just on him. But what's your thoughts straight off of the back of the game? It's literally quarter past 10 on the Tuesday night uh, that we're having this chat at the moment for anyone who's at home listening. Uh, feels pretty raw at the moment. How are you feeling? Yeah, it was uh, today. I found today a bit gutting, really. I think, um, what is it? In the league, it's two points from a possible 21 against uh, top six teams. And we've gone with the same attitude against all the teams who are supposedly the big hitters. And it hasn't worked. And we've done it again in a cup game. And ultimately, it's gone tonight as bad as it could have ever gone for us. Finally stayed in the game for 120 minutes. Our starting 11's played 120 minutes. Bon has gone off injured. Soufal's limped off at the end. We've subbed our best young player on then to hook him again to defeat his confidence. He was going to be the next guy to um, sort of stand up there and maybe take the reins when Antonio can't do the job or Yarmolenko's not working and his confidence is crushed. We won't see him again for a while. So I think it's tonight's gone terribly and we didn't show much ambition. On the Ben Rama thing, yeah, he gave it away a bit, the one at the end when he could have given it in the box fine, but he does have that personality to get on a ball. I thought he did make things happen. I'd like to see the passing stats when he was actually on the pitch. I reckon we had more of the ball in better areas and he actually made things happen. Fine his decision-making at times, but he's, he had personality. He was willing to get on the ball and he had that bollocks to try and make something happen. So I think he, he should have been used earlier on, as should have Lanzini. But shame, shame of a night, but but we are sick and we've still got a sniff in the league. It's just it's just gutting because you see that and you worry if Antonio does get a knock. No, mate, this is this is the thing. And James, you're smirking. And I know why, because when I'm in a mood like this, the very worst parts of my personality come out. <laughs> there is no doubt about that at all. But I just thought this is the sort of thing tonight, right? With that striker situation, and when it's when it, at the time, you almost feel for some reason because of the you know the nature of the of the club and the um, the feeling or the you know the the messaging and the communications put out by the club about fan expectations and what was and wasn't promised when you move from Upton Park, blah blah blah. And when it all come to the end, um, you know, of the transfer window, and we hadn't signed anyone. There's something in you that that stops you from from going proper two-footed. Although we did, and we did say it was annoying, I felt personally like there was something, you know, you're holding it back because you think, oh, it is good at the moment. You don't want to be that one, the negative voice going, oh, being the one moaning at times when times are good. But that tonight is just, that's exactly, what is the point? You play in the FA Cup once a year. You go to Old Trafford with a substitute right winger playing up front. That's not that's not what West Ham United <laughs> is supposed to be doing, is it? That's not. And, and I totally agree about um, Odebeku, Tom, coming on and hooking him. I thought that was an awful decision, an awful decision. He wasn't, I know he didn't do loads, but, he, you know, he was feeding off absolute scraps. But the whole the yeah. whole reason is we're playing with a, a right winger who can't even get on to the pitch at right wing playing up front and this is exactly what it is and it's nights like that that 
that the, the, the chickens come home to roost or whatever that stupid saying is that I've probably got wrong. It's just so annoying, isn't it? It's like, give ourselves it's, a it's, chance. It's all... Man United were there to be beaten tonight, weren't they? Yeah. It's all, it's all born out of the fact that they didn't go out and get who they needed to get in January. Exactly, that's what like, I'm saying. If, 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 like, if, if, there were, if there was a reason to criticise that decision or a right time to criticise that decision, it's tonight. Um, but I completely agree with everything you said, apart from what you said about Ben Rama. Like, it's cr- it's criminal. It's absolutely criminal yeah. what, what what's happened over the last, what, 10 days. Um, failed to get a striker in and then gone to Man United in the FA Cup with, without a striker. Um, and then, as Tom said, you know, crushed the confidence of an 18-year-old lad. Um, it, yeah, it's criminal. Um, but... Are we even surprised? This is West Ham, isn't it? No, but yeah. it's yeah, but it's not, James. That's what I mean. Gone are the days where you just shrug it off and go, "These are West Ham," because we're not up to park anymore. That's the difference these days, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I I was part of it just like everyone else before, where you'd shrug it off and go, "Yeah, that's what you know." It's West Ham, whatever. That's sort of what we do. But we're not supposed to be about that anymore. And it's just, but it's it's been it's been like this for the five years since we moved to the stadiums. That's yeah. that's my point. Is that's my point. It's like it's it's still same old West Ham. Upton Park, London so, Stadium, whatever. It shouldn't like, be. It's the that's same. Just, no, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't and, be. And but think, that's, um, that's, the, that's the reality of it at the moment. The, the subs that, met, that we made at half time said it all for me. I think we, we were so poor going forward and we had no outlet. Out, Yarmolenko doesn't run in behind. He doesn't have pace and power. So the game becomes so small for us. Mm. And no one was good enough on the ball to play those intricate passes. And yet, what do we do? We make the game smaller for us by putting an extra defender in there, going five at the back, putting two fullbacks on, one who isn't even left-footed. And it just seemed I, all, all negative, all game. It was just a bit mental. I tell you what, though, Ben Johnson was probably the Good best game. player on the pitch what for us. What a storm, like, yeah. Like, superb. Yeah. And like, he wanted to get forward. He tried to get forward. He was taking yeah. um, he was taking players on. So he was, you know, he was one positive from tonight, I thought. You know, I think it's a very, very good performance from him. Yeah, massive yeah, agree. for Ben Johnson. Well, look, uh, let's have a bit of housekeeping. We'll tell everyone what's coming up on the show. We've started it with a uh, with an absolute bang. Understandably, still fresh off of the back of that game. Frustration still very raw, especially for me. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry to both of you for the upsetting words I'll inevitably say to one or both of you when you uh, disagree with me on one or two minor level uh, <laughs> quibbles later on uh, this evening but look we'll do um, a little bit of housekeeping first do follow us on twitter at we are underscore west ham subscribe to our youtube channel where you can watch this whole show in full or some cut up exclusive videos just individual segments if you prefer some to others the exclusive guests that we have on the betway charity bets uh, the opposition view and the women's section Josie is doing a fine job of uh, slicing all those up so you can just have little uh, bits and pieces pick and choose what you watch if you want to so scroll down to the description of this podcast and the link to our YouTube channel is there we're on Instagram as well if you want to get us on there Uh, And coming up on the show tonight, in part two, we'll go into the Man United game and react to that in full and in more detail than we have already. We'll have a brief look back at the Fulham game, nil-nil dross. We all know what we're going to be talking about. Mike Dean and Thomas Suchek. We'll have the Betway charity bets. Jonesy had a win against Aston Villa, so some positive among all the gloom there. 400 quid for the DT38 Foundation. Part four, we'll have the opposition view. The Travelling Blade will join us. 
to talk ahead of the Blades' visit to London Stadium on Monday night, the 15th of February. James Jones leads the way and is in the hot seat, the Quizmaster's chair for Name That Game, as me and Tom try to extend our lead and leave him even more stranded at the bottom. We'll wrap up with Sandra Brobby from The Sun newspaper, WSL expert and sports journalist to have a look at a pretty grim week for the West Ham women. And then we'll have some final thoughts from the lads see if i've calmed down see if all our friendships are still intact and we will say goodbye for another week so you've got all of that coming up and we'll go into the man united game like i said in a bit more detail next So you are still listening to the we are west ham podcast with me will pew tom edwards and james jones james let's have it straight away no frilly introduction uh, you seem pretty chipper about this Manchester United game. Uh, you've just reminded me as well after my grim and dour introduction that we've actually had three West Ham games since the last podcast we did. Uh, that superb victory at Aston Villa last Wednesday evening. That seems like a lifetime ago now. I must admit we spoke to Tim Wildwood, didn't we, just seven days ago. Um, yeah, and you know what? We will... We'll, reflect on that a little bit it does seem a little bit old news of course now but there is some positive to take from all this and I'm already feel myself simmering down which is a good news for uh, the the listeners and for my own general levels of uh, sanity and uh, anger but Man United first that's the freshest in everyone's mind that's what everyone's going to be talking about when this podcast goes live in the early hours of Wednesday morning UK time so Hit me, Manchester United. What's your? I've just literally just flicked onto Twitter as we had the break there, and I've seen a tweet saying, "Oh, we lose by the odd goal at Man United, and suddenly the whole world's falling to bits. Get a grip." And I had that sort of thing, and that's already annoyed me, so I'm triggered again. <laughs> What's uh, how, how do you come at it? Because I, the, you, we were talking, didn't weren't we, in the first section about the lack of striker and all that sort of thing, and I think that the anger. The, uh, sort of the frustration I'm feeling now is because when there's anyone arguing against that, right, whenever anyone in that end of January goes, oh, we're sick, what are you moaning about? Whenever anyone says that, you think, right, well, there's you're moaning just because you're moaning at a time when it's good. It doesn't mean the thing you're moaning about is any less bad, if that, I don't, if, I've, mm. if that makes sense. And yeah. And the thing is, when we were moaning about that, you were moaning about it, you wrote that really good piece in the Sun, articulating it really well, exactly why West Ham fans were annoyed despite being fifth in the league at the time. We spoke about it on this podcast. And the reason is that you're, there's an inevitability to things like tonight. And if we have a bad run the next few games, I'm still not convinced that Antonio is actually just tired, by the way. He was definitely clutching his hamstring in that Fulham yeah. game. There was clear TV pictures of showing him clutching his hamstring. And then he comes off after 70 minutes. I, you know, if, if he was just tired, you'd have him in the squad tonight, wouldn't you? You'd have him on the bench. So I'm still, I'm still very, very dubious about whether or not um, he's got another hamstring injury again. And the reason we were moaning and getting irate about that was because there's an inevitability. And tonight, everyone could see it coming, couldn't they, without a striker in the squad? And if we end up, you know, it's not that I, I do think it's bad that they hooked 
um, Odebeko after bringing him on. I don't think that's done him any favours at all. And I don't know that if the next four or five games end up being poo and disappointing, it's, it's one of those things you almost, you want to go on one hand, you're going, see, I told you so. But at the same time, taking no joy out of saying, I told you so, or gloating about it. Not that, you know, I'm the sort of bloke who normally would take pleasure out of gloating when, <laughs> when I'm right about things, but you don't enjoy, you're not going, yes, see, I was right. Everyone you're going, Oh, for God's sake, I knew this was going to happen. It, I just, I'm just rambling now. <laughs> interject yeah. and no, interject I, quick. I think I think that this result at United um, was born out of the fact that we just we just got a severe lack of squad depth, and obviously that goes back to the transfer window. We've already mentioned it in the intro, but you know, David Moyes and and the rest of the management at the football club, and that goes all the way up to the board level, should have seen this coming a mile off. If the fans can see it, then why can't they see it? Um, I, I, I think David Morris has done a great job this year and I, I find it very hard to criticise him. But for him to, to, well, allegedly make the decision that he's a right to, to coast the rest of the season with Antonio and Yarmolenko, it's incredibly naive. Incredibly naive. Um, and what, two two games down the line? We've, we've already blown it. We've already mm. blown it. Um, Yarmolenko, uh, Tom, you just put in, you just, it just sounds like he's done his knee ligaments. Um, so he's going to be out for a while. Um, Odubeku, I mean, hopefully his, his confidence isn't isn't too affected by what happened at Old Trafford. Um, you know, um, it's a bit harsh on the lad, but he, he let the game pass him by. He didn't really grab his moment, um, to be fair, but to pull him off could, could really affect him. So we're stuck with Antonio and his and his hamstrings. Um, and it's it's just ridiculous. Like we, we shouldn't be in this situation. And the same goes for midfield. I mean, the fact that yeah. you know we've had to, you know, Deccan Rice and Thomas Suchet have had to play 120 minutes tonight, um, and they will be expected to play 90 minutes on Monday night. They've both, played, they both of them have been in the midfield all season. Um, Mark Noble's had to go in and, and, and do 120 minutes, um, and he's the backup um, at 33. It's like, what, why have we, in a season like like we've got at the moment, where is a massive opportunity. We've spoken about it for weeks now. It's a huge opportunity for a club like West Ham this season. They don't come around very often. Um, and we've allowed ourselves to go into the second half of the season. Oh, like, forget about going out of the FA Cup. Like, that, that's, that is frustrating. Um, but there's more to it than just losing at many United and going out of the FA Cup at, in the fifth round. Mm. Because this, this now, essentially, could affect where we end up in the Premier League. Um, I still think a top 10 finish will be a success even if we don't qualify for Europe we'll still be classed as a successful season but we've got a real you know we've got a battle on our hands now between the end of the season to even finish in the top 10 because if we ain't got a striker who can play every week um, if we ain't got uh, backup in midfield uh, we are we are well and truly screwed and on top of that what's oh Bonner I mean is he going to be out for a while or not no that one looked, knows that could easily be an ankle right. ligaments couldn't it yeah. Exactly. So, so like we've lost our best defender this season. Oh, Craig Dawson's still brick wall, so that's all right. But <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, he's another one who had a great game at Old Trafford. To be fair, what a player he did. Um, but yeah, it's just they're all all those little little mistakes um, and issues are now beginning to sort of pile up a little bit, slowly but surely, coming back to bite us a little bit. And I just hope that it doesn't it doesn't end up putting or being the reason why we. 
we don't achieve what we have been capable of achieving this season because, um, yeah, I mean, said it last week, there'll be a lot of lot of questions to answer, particularly at board level, or if it all goes wrong between now and May. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the thing is, and I just want to clarify this, the reason that I'm frustrated by tonight's showing is because, or the reason to, yeah, tonight's showing is frustrating is because it's not, we haven't given it our best go. And by that, I don't mean on the night. I mean, as a football club, we haven't given the season our best go by leaving ourselves short in January. That if we'd have gone, if we'd have bought a strike, I'm not saying that if we'd have bought a striker in January, they'd definitely won tonight. That's not what I'm saying for anyone listening or on Twitter or whatever tries to oversimplify it. What the the reason and the frustration comes from is if we'd have gone up there and we bought someone in January and we had a backup midfielder, like you say, I've got no qualms about playing backup players, whatever. But if you'd have gone up there with that those backups and given it your best go and then um, the backup striker wasn't that, that we bought in wasn't good enough and neither was the midfielder we bought in or, then you don't mind do you and you lose by the odd goal to at Old Trafford and you lose 1-0 in extra time you go oh, fair enough we've given it our best go but we haven't we've we've gone ah you know what rather than give this our best go we'll just try and stumble through with what we've got it's not going to be it's not going to yeah. be that impressive but like i said I inev- think- there's an inevitability that will fall like down the league a bit and crash out the cup it's just like well what's yeah. the point of us getting excited for stuff then what's the point of us giving mm-hmm. our all and, and going getting up for it every week and paying our money at the club and the store and all that sort of stuff if think- the idea the, the, Whoever's fault it was, not by the striker, Moyes or the club, it's, it's a lack of ambition by someone. Whoever yeah. the yeah, semantics. I think it's worth worth saying now and making it clear that I thought the performance against United, um, it wasn't 100% terrible. I no. thought every single player on that pitch gave, gave everything. Um, you know, there are one or two players that were pr- probably a little bit below their best. I think Thomas Suchik had probably one of his worst games for us. Um, but it wasn't a terrible performance. It's just because he set his standard and his bar so high. Um, he's absolutely knackered. You could tell he was absolutely shattered towards the end. Uh, and I'm, I'm not surprised. So, you know, he's going to, you know, his passing is going to be a little bit off. He's, you know, he's not going to be as sharp as we used to see him. He's not going to be arriving in the box at time and isn't going to be as impeccable as it used to be um, or it has been. So I think it's worth remembering that no, that performance, given the circumstances, um, it could have been a hell of a lot worse uh, and it could have been a lot more than 1-0. And I think um, you know, the players especially deserve a lot of credit for that. It's frustrating. Um, but I'm sure the, the players are probably questioning it as well, going, hang on, you've got to help us out here. We're absolutely, we're, <laughs> yeah. we're on our knees here. Declan Rice, show some ambition yeah. if you want me to stay I think, here. Um, that, that's the one thing I'd like to say. I think like Will mentioned, we've got, in my life or whatever, the 24 years, we've had, two good teams in 2015, 16, 2005 and six, and maybe now is the third team. And every year we've, we've made mistakes in the cut. I find the only year we went out trying and we went out giving it everything was 15, 16. That was all the emotion of Upton Park and everything. We went out rightly in the way we should this year. When we are up there, when we're five or what points behind this United side, they've dropped just as many players in their team as us. And we're sitting back and conceding possession and giving it to them and gifting it and willing to take the game into extra time without going for it. Sort of just drilling the players into the ground without ever trying to win a game and just take it to penalties. It just seemed 
a bit negative and a, and a massive shame because we literally as a club get this two two times a decade a sniffer having a good team who can go away and actually beat these sides so to not go there is a disappointment but like Jonesy said you can't actually blame the players on the pitch you can more blame the recruitment and uh the holes that we have in our squad because everyone out there did a good job and I can't say anyone had a bad performance particularly. It's just we didn't have the weapons to hurt them and we didn't go for the game. And that's the yeah. Moyes and the management up top. Yeah, we can't blame anyone on the pitch apart from Ben Rama. You're absolutely right, Tom. I couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> he is. But Tom, what can you uh, what can you tell us about this Yarmolenko uh, injury then? Because uh, knee ligaments he's su- suggesting. Yeah, so apparently the the uh, initial reports I've just seen uh, briefly that it was ankle, some to do with um, Ogbonna's ankle potentially ligaments. Not much said on that, but it was definitely Yarmolenko's knee ligaments. Not saying what it is yet, quite yet. But the fact that he came off as early as he did in the fifty odd minute and was limping about the way he did, and the fact that his ligaments might suggest that that's at least weeks or months and it's not just these out for the Sheffield United game, which is another hit. And like you said, Will, which could well be right. Antonio's probably not just a nigger or just not just a precaution, is it really? So what do we have to do on uh, Monday? Play Lingard through the middle or, or who knows what? Oh, play your man, Ben Rama, I suppose. If we yeah, ask go you. on. That's exactly what I'm not going to ask you. But uh, look, if we're if we're talking sort of before, like I said at the beginning of the season, one thing I will say is when we chatted about this, I know James, you absolutely love wheeling out the cliche about this is the season West Ham should win a cup. I, by the way, I'm fully expecting you to keep wheeling that out, even though we're out both of them for the rest of the season. <laughs> uh, but you know, at the beginning of the year. <laughs> not happy <laughs> when we did our uh, pre-season review show and we said about where we'd like to finish in the league what would be a good season etc etc i said at the time uh that i'm i don't buy into that cliche of oh, yeah, we should be winning a cup because ultimately it's almost always one of the big four or the big six that end up winning them um so i said just don't go out of either of the cups in disgraceful fashion. We've gone out away to Everton in the League Cup and away to Man United in the FA Cup. Absolutely fine. The fact we get drawn against Man United seemingly every year is, is not our fault. And like I say, one nil in extra time, no shame in it whatsoever. But to, to switch to some more positive aspects of that game, Ben Johnson has had an absolute stormer when he's come on. I think he's unfortunate this season that... Um, Aaron Cresswell and Vladimir Kufal, our current uh, wing-backs or full-backs, whatever, depending what system we're playing, are having a, an excellent season. Tom, if, uh, I, I mean, if you don't have to take um, any positives, if you've got none, feel free to come at me with some more negatives from the game if there's anything you want to get off your chest. But if you're you're looking at the, the some some positive sides, what, what can you take from them? Exactly that, that once again, Johnson's been thrown on the left side, uh, which isn't his natural position and put in a brilliant performance in 45 minutes. He hit the ground running. He looked good going forward. He's big, he's strong. Physically, he's got all the attributes to make his Premier League player. He's good off both feet. He's technical and, and he's got the physicality. So he's a he's a definite plus. When Obona went off, clearly seeing Dawson take the mantle of being that leader of the back four, he's been there, what? matter of months he's played less than 10 games for club and he lest we forget that james jones wanted to get rid of him in january do not oh, well, forget it was that to be fair at the time but he, he's 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 just come through everything and he's what he, he's just walked it down and and he was didn't put a foot wrong i don't think 
Sadly, obviously, I don't think any of the back form really put much wrong today. I think Sue Fowl was no. actually a bit sloppy in the ball. I think he was poor in the ball, but defensively brilliant. All of them were brilliant. The goal was conceded by Fabianski, by the Weiss way, giving it. Yeah, Fabianski. Uh, exactly, can we yeah. talk about those saves? Jesus. Yeah, exactly. He was brilliant. The back four were brilliant. I think the goal, and I'm not going to blame Rice. He, he's done everyone's running for the last two and a half years. He hasn't missed a minute. But it, the goal was <laughs> so on him. Annoying, yeah. Do you know what I mean? The, the goal's on him, and yeah, that is what it is, but the amount he saved for us, so that's fine, was on the back four. I think the solidarity we have and the belief they have as a back five unit, including, sorry, six with Suchek and Rice, that's a positive you've got to carry on taking because we've looked very, very good for this last two or three months, even if we have conceded goals. Yeah, Jonesy, come on then. Look, you're sitting there looking very pensive. A wry smiles when uh, I've tried to bait you and you've been very grown up in not nibbling. Um, be the voice of reason then for us. But before you do, or you might even be the voice of reason on this, Odebeko, subbing him on, subbing him off. Uh, my dad was going absolutely mental during the game. Get him off, get him off. And I thought, well, hang on. It's a bit harsh. He's only young anyway, but he was... It seemed to me he was feeding off scraps. All right, he could have imposed himself a bit, but I think he maybe had six like incidents where the ball was was in his zone. So what's your thoughts on Odebeku and then some general musings on what me and Tom have saying and uh, the game in general before we move on to the Fulham game? Well, I don't think... I mean, I don't know a great deal about Odebeku and his, and his style of play. I mean, um, it was quite off quite obvious straight off the bat that he's not a type of striker that likes to rub the ball up and, and, and bring players in. Um and he struggled playing that role. You know, balls were bouncing off him. Um he's clearly inexperienced in, in in a position like that. And obviously coming on for against your former club, obviously he left United at what, two years ago to come inside for us. Like the pressure on his shoulders must have been huge. He wanted to make a difference, but he ended up letting the game pass him by. I wasn't overly surprised to see David Moyes take him off in the end. Um, but it could go one or two ways. It could go one or two ways. It could go that, you know, confidence is shot and we never see him again. Um, or he, he, he sees that as a learning curve and he, he works double hard in training to, to, to show David Moyes that he can play in that role or he can make a difference in the starting eleven. There's a reason why he stayed at the club and Afalayan went out went out on loan in January. Clearly, David Moyes prefers him. Um, so, you know, there's, there's absolutely no doubt that he's a talent. It's just, you know, we've got used in the right way and then chucking him on when he's, you know, I don't think he was expecting to be on so soon in that, sec- in that second half. Um at Old Trafford in an FA Cup fifth round going, right, you're the lone striker, go and win us the game. Like, the pressure was already on for him. So I just hope that it doesn't affect him, but I'm not 100% surprised that that he that he was brought off in the end because he so did just pass him by. You're all right with that? You're all right with Moyes tooling him off like that? Um, But I think when, when you're trying to chase the game and you need a little bit of creativity and you need someone up there to be able to make something happen... He spent, what, 50 minutes just not doing a great deal. Uh, probably longer than that. Best part of an hour. Um, if you ben Ram the... wasn't on that long, was he? 
Oh, sorry, sorry, we're still on Odebeku. Sorry, sorry. I thought yeah, yeah. I just I just heard the words ran around and didn't do anything, and I thought you'd moved on to side Ben Ram already. My bad. Sorry. Should listen. <laughs> I can't I can't wait I can't wait for our listeners to have a right go at you for this yeah this awful attack on on our one yeah, of our best yeah, wingers. Yeah, but um, anyway anyway we'll uh, we'll stick on Odebeku. Now I, I don't I don't think it was it was that harsh to be fair. Um, I can see why people do think it's harsh, but. You're chasing the game. You need a bit of creativity up up front, and we were Ben Rama was doing a great job in trying to trying to create things, and we needed some <laughs> just another another body in there. Someone to compliment him. Yeah, who who do you, who'd you take off in that situation? Take off the one that's you know not really doing a great deal, and the only that was, that was Becker. The only thing I think with the Odebeko thing is he's been probably given a minute, given the moment in the 50th minute, his adrenaline did it, and he did look a bit shy, he did look a bit poor. But what that does long-term, probably hauling him off, away at United as a young kid, I don't know, I know he's Irish, but I don't know where his family is from or whatever, but that's it. That, in terms of him mentally, for his family, wherever they are, and his friends in Manchester, that, that's like everything. That's his it's, dream. It's I just not think that if... what we'll do long term is bad. I know it's about winning a game, but I don't think what we did was more positive taking him off because he still made the game bigger for us. When Yarmolenko's on the pitch, we had less of the ball in their third. He ran in behind. At least didn't look like he wasn't much worse than Yarmolenko, was he? But it's not as if he had he he he'd been on the pitch for ten minutes and get hauled straight back off yeah, again. Like he had the best part. He'd, he'd had over an hour on the pitch when you take into account extra time. It seemed worse. So he had an it? hour. Yeah. It did seem yeah, a lot worse than worse, what it was because right. it was extra time. He had, he had like, over what? sixty minutes. Exactly. Yeah, he'd had over sixty minutes, and um, he wouldn't have got sixty minutes um, if he was starting, probably. Yeah. So, you know, it is it is what it is. I don't. I mean, I've, it looked I've, worse than it is. You're right. You're right. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see what happens at the weekend. Obviously, if Antonio's not 100 fit, Yarmolenko's gone. He's going to yeah. play a part. I would have thought at some point so we'll see what happens then but um, I can see why fans are a little bit concerned James Jones the voice of calm and and reason now I don't like it it just makes you feel on edge when I'm in this angry unhinged sort of mood and I'm <laughs> going to inevitably get a load of abuse about Ben Rama as well and anyone who does tweet me is probably going to be right ah goodness me but anyway Fulham Tom what a dross game of football that was I mean the Suchek thing is what it is um I just the same as everyone else. I, I I don't know if you've got anything else to add on that. The talking point was, of course, the Suchek thing. Ridiculous. Mike Dean, as ever, just, uh, you know, everyone said loads of people. I'd never, I've never seen football Twitter so united. Mm. Uh, you know, mm. not just West Ham fans. You had all the, the, the big impartial names. I know Ian Wright played for West Ham, but Ian Wright was tweeting Gary Lineker. Uh, all the journalists, just anyone who's anyone in football, was just like, "What? What is the game become?" Even, That's absolutely even right. Tottenham fans. Even Tottenham fans were going, yeah. oh, "That was a little bit harsh." Yeah, yeah, and it is. It's just silly, isn't it? Because people, we like rivalries and all that, but everyone who watches football likes football because of the game first and foremost, yeah. don't they? And and uh, watching that seven or eight times and deciding to send him off. I mean. What are you doing? He's walking back as if he's got no choice. It's like, yes, you did. Saying this the other day, if you, if you're there, right, watching the screen and you're Mike Dean and you're looking at that, thinking, right, if you're really not sure because you don't watch something seven times or eight times or ten times, whatever, if you're not sure, if you're watching that, 
and you're in two minds i'd be thinking right what's going to cause the most backlash here like what is the most non-football decision i can make here if i look at that if i don't send him off is there going to be mass uproar? No, there is not. You might get a few people going, oh, I've, I thought you should have sent him off. It probably would have been amplified if Suchek nods in the winner from the resulting free kick. It gets a bit more attention. If not, there's no way after on Match of the Day or Sky or wherever that they're in the studio going, oh, how's he only giving him a yellow? Or how's he not sent him off? There wouldn't be widespread, unanimous uh, uproar about the fact that Thomas Suchek didn't get sent off for that, but sending him off, like everyone, and afterwards, everyone's almost like just sad and downbeat about what's mm. happened to the game. David Moyes is like, yeah, it's embarrassing. No one you spoke to was like, oh yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know what everyone's moaning about. Obviously, it was a red card. No one does, and it's like mm. the. I know the referees know the laws better and all that sort of thing, but that was nothing to do with laws. The, the fact of the matter is football is a game that we all want to watch. That's why it exists. It exists because so many people like it. And when all of those people who like it, they matter more than the one bloke in the middle, don't they? On the mm. lawmakers and all that, that sort of stuff. People going, oh, he had a clenched fist. Behave. Behave yourself. He had a clenched fist. It wasn't really that clenched anyway. But what are you talking about? Even if it was. I mean, what is that? That is literally not what football is supposed to be about, is it? And you know what, James, I know a few people tweeted about the death threats and all that sort of stuff. And I don't really want to go into that too much because I think in society these days, we spend far too much time reacting to just mindless, brainless, scumbag idiots, don't we? And I don't really want mm. to do that on the We Are West Ham podcast. I don't think it needs any of us three to stand here and go, oh, if you're sending Mike Dean death threats, then you're an idiot. Da, da, da. I think that that certainly goes without saying on the We Are West Ham podcast. I don't want to give that too much oxygen, really, because that dominates the the narrative and all that sort of thing. Obviously, a man should be getting death threats. But look, again, I'm, I'm going to be in a very rambly mood tonight, aren't I, James? You're going to have to start getting better at interrupting me. So give me give me some thoughts one way or the other. No, I think um, just on that, I think you know, the, the death threats are even, are even more embarrassing than the actual decision. Um, like what uh, you, you've already said, it's just what you're doing. Yeah, 99.8% of people haven't done that, have yeah, they? Haven't so done that. Exactly, anyone li- yeah, yeah, but... anyone listening to the We Are West Ham podcast if, who's done that, I don't feel like there would be anyone among our listeners because no, they're not no, sort no. of real normal football fans, are they? So for the 99.99% no. of you listening who obviously weren't one of the ones who sent a referee death threats because of one of the worst decisions of the season, uh, talk to me about the the decision, the game and and just anything around all that so we don't give any of these idiots too much more oxygen. You've, you've said all... all... <laughs> pretty much everything that I probably would have said. I mean, the one, the one qualm I had above it was Mitrovic. Um, he, he said to Mike Dean, like, oh no, it was an accident. No, he didn't mean it. Didn't mean it. But he went down like, a, <laughs> right? Holding his face like it was, like he'd just been shot in the face. And it was like, hang on, wait, wait. Like you've gone down the way you've gone down, which makes it a lot worse than what it actually was. The moment Mike Dean's gone for the red card, you've gone, oh no, he didn't mean it. Don't send him off. What what was he trying to do? What was he what what was his game plan there? Because one minute he's trying to get him sent off. Maybe it just minute, really hurt. I, I, I very much doubt it. 
I mean, have you seen the size of Mitrovic? I'm, I'm pretty sure he didn't he get hit batted by a goner. Uh, the other one, he, he stood there and, and, and took it. Well, through it. So exactly. <laughs> so like, Suchek's elbows are well pointy, though. It's true, but Big the boy. whole thing, the whole thing frustrated me. It was about, hang on, what are you trying to do there? Uh, are you trying to get him sent off, or did you try and get him sent off and then feel guilty afterwards after you'd realised that actually I've done a really bad thing? I've been a little bit of a naughty boy. Like it's it's a bit silly, um, but thankfully uh, justice was done. I think we all knew it would get overturned, um, and the decision decision would be overturned, um, despite the yeah, clenched fist. <laughs> Despite, but that was the funny thing about it. it Come out and said, "Oh, they were checking for a clenched fist." That was that was why Lee Mason had asked Mike Dean to go and check it on the on the pit side monitor. So Mike Dean's watched it eight or nine times and seen that there isn't a clenched fist. There isn't a clenched fist there, and he's still sent him off. Yes, I mean it, the whole thing. It, the whole what? thing's baffling. There's a, there's only one person in the world that knows why he came to that decision, and that's Mike Dean himself. Yeah, um, no one can. Like as you said, everyone. Every single person went. Why is he? Why is he sent him off? Hmm. Um, there wasn't really another side to it. So, yeah, thankfully it was rescinded, overturned. Um, but to be fair, he could have done with a one game ban. Just so he didn't do one in twenty minutes tonight. <laughs> At least uh, one game off. Absolutely, Tom. What did you? Again, not a lot happened in that uh, in that Fulham game. I do think that Mike Dean decision, as much as um, you know the the decision was annoying, it dominated headlines and and the Twitter sphere and chats among fans everywhere. But I think if you're West Ham, you're probably thinking few because the talk would almost certainly after the game have been about Mikel Antonio and the strikers thing, which is obviously going to haunt the club for every single game that Mikel Antonio either isn't playing this season or isn't playing well, isn't it? Hundred percent. That's what I was about to say when you guys that it it marred the fact that we looked tired, we looked knackered in not just the striker department. Suchek looked tired, Rice looked tired. Whole midfield, we didn't look like we have that buzz that we had away at Villa and that buzz that we've had for the for ninety five percent of the season to be fair to the club. But we we just looked like we lacked that cutting edge and we were just off the back of one of our best results all season and probably our best performance from start to finish. Um, and I felt they just looked a bit flat off the back of that. But like we said between ourselves on a group chat, they're not a bad side, and that points nothing to be scoffed at because they probably could have nicked points this season that they haven't got. They're a very decent. So like they play decent football. They've got braver on the ball, and and they will outpass teams and get in. It's just they're finishing in their final third, which lets them down from being better than the Burnleys and Brightons of this world. So not the worst point in the world, but disappointing. The the one thing I'll say on the referees thing is that what's the biggest worry for me is that Lee Mason and uh, Mike Dean have been what a couple decades together worth of experience and they've grown with the game and they were there before VAR and they were there when the game was supposedly a little bit harder a man's game and they've seen those things and they should surely view that incident and understand that that is a six foot four guy trying to get his arm over a slightly smaller guy and that is literally what happens at every set piece it's just come off wrong because he just the way they've interpreted that is seriously worrying going forward for the English game because they are supposedly the two most experienced, two of the best, and they've watched that slowed down 10, 15 times, well, however many times, and they've come to the conclusion that a legitimate movement going after the ball with a guy with a track record of over 200 games, zero red cards, in the slow-mo, same slow-mo they're trying to look at VAR, he's already got his hands up going, sorry, 
like like it just if that's how they're interpreting the game then 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 it's in a bad place so we just got a like we all said death threats and, and getting on his back is unacceptable totally unacceptable but there needs to be reprimand like FA needs to look into it because that's two mistakes in a row from Lee Mason and him, which have been very high profile and unprofessional. So something needs to be done about a standard of refereeing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, it's the general game enjoyment that seems to be, uh, seems to have flitted away this season. And I was massively pro VAR beforehand, but I think the way it's been implemented is a bit of a joke, but again, that is a, a conversation that's been had a thousand times. Look, lads, uh, just quickly, very briefly before we wrap up part two, Aston Villa, what a game that was. What a team. Um, I'm going to wait and leave this, uh, let you two say some positive things before I um, say my... It's not even a narky comment. It's just a thing I've noticed. Everyone was absolutely up in arms. All right, I'll start with it. Josie, you're shaking your head already. Right, Jesse Lingard. Everyone's absolutely delighted. I did think he played really, 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 really well. But if Emmy Martinez had, hadn't dipped... But. There is a but, of course. If Emmy, it. If Emi Martinez hadn't dipped each of his gloves in full vats of Lurpak before the game, um, <laughs> it would have it would have been one all, and uh, it wouldn't quite have been quite as uh, whoopee whoopee. But it was fantastic and a brilliant result. Um, but that did that bit did make me make me laugh, and I think I'm more annoyed because I brought Lingard into my team off the back of it. And uh, but hey, you create you create your own luck. I think we had like 30 attempts on goal in that game. So I'm just in a bad mood, um, James, all right? <laughs> so like if, if you know, he, he's had, I think the stats come up at the end of the game, he'd had, he had six shots on goal and three on target. Um, so his performance alone, and even even without his six shots, he was such an influence for us going forward. Him, Antonio, Ben Rama, linking up lovely. Um, so, yeah. Martinez is a much better goalkeeper than he was that night. I think we got we got him luckily on a, on a bad night because he's a top class keeper. Um, but yeah, one of the best debuts I've seen from a West Ham player in a long time, probably since Payet. I would have thought um, whether we'd have the same impacts, I don't know. But fully deserving of a brace, fully deserving, regardless of the keeping, fully deserving. And I would say our best performance of the season away at Villa. Yeah. Tough yeah, place to go. Went there and completely outplayed them. Still can't quite work out what John McGinn was saying about how he went there and played for the point. Um, like he actually said, we we turned up and played for the point. It's like, mate, it doubled yeah. the amount of chances that you had. Yeah. <laughs> we, we just stopped their best about? player from playing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. we scored three goals. Like, what, what, what are you talking about, mate? But yeah, no, good good result. Um, nah. Good performance. Jesse Lingard, best player that's ever played for West Ham. <laughs> apart from Craig apart from Craig Dawson I'll add yeah. <laughs> absolutely yeah we'd finally uh, we've finally got you to pin your flag to the mast on something this evening yeah I know I was being facetious about Lingard of course it was absolutely phenomenal the way that uh, master stroke by Moyes he got it tactically spot on uh, putting Fredericks and uh, and Kufal who had Grealish just in their pockets all game and brilliant idea nothing wrong with freezing their most attacking threatening player out the game whatsoever at all tom i'd love to uh, get your thoughts on billy have you got anything really brief to add on that to the what me and jonesy were saying but jonesy said it's the best performance of the season are you having that yeah I, yeah i think that and leads for me just two solid away performance against two very good sides who are willing to play yep. good football and you can see the extent to which we have the ability and the bollocks to get personality and play our own football 
And I think what Lingard does is he allows Ben Rama to play on the left in his best position. Then you've got Rice and Suchek with more balance. There's less responsibility on Suchek getting forward early in, in attacks and he can actually stay there with Rice and win the ball higher up. So Lingard's the one playing off the strike. I think it just gives us way more versatility. He's obviously, like I thought coming in, he's a really technically good footballer. He will link the play. It was probably better than I'd even know anyone could imagine his debut, but he looked the real deal. And we've just got to really hope that this little blip, I know it's two games and it's a United and Fulham, but that these don't really harm us and we and we get back on the pedestal because we have looked brilliant. That game was the best we've played. So fingers crossed they get back to that. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Well, look, comprehensive, detailed uh, reaction there to those three games West Ham have had since our last podcast. Only one in the upcoming week. And uh, we'll talk about that and more in the Betway charity bet section next. So you are still listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, Tom Edwards and James Jones. Electric start to the show from the lads there. And uh, without further ado, we've got something to celebrate here on the We Are West Ham podcast right in the middle. Part three, just as we like it. We've won a Betway charity bet. Woo! James Jones takes the award uh the aston villa game i was very close tom wasn't a million miles away either he was the furthest away because he keeps backing jared bowen to score <laughs> and, <I'd, laughs> and Last I, don't, time. I don't think he's going to for the rest of the season but jonesy well played uh you have pulled in some cash money for the dt38 dylan tom Beattie's foundation in case anyone doesn't know at home in the lads are playing for three west ham based charities thanks to a charity stake of 50 pounds each per week that we get to put on the west ham game uh, i'm playing for the bobby moore fund tom for isla's fight and james as i mentioned for the dt38 dylan tom Beattie's foundation We've raised a few thousand quid already, which is great. And Josie, you added how much to the pot for DT38 last week against Villa? It was a long time coming, chaps, but I've added 400 quid to the pot for DT38 with my uh, with my selection against Villa. West Ham to win. I had both teams to score and I had uh, big Tommy Suchet to score any time. So that came in nicely, 400 quid. Uh, it takes our, our overall total to £3,217.50 and that's before Betway uh, match it at the end of the season so that's uh, just under six and a half grand for charity so far this season boys now, I'm not I'm not being funny James I just think take a minute there because as you said that figure we started this obviously just as three or two idiots at first now three idiots just chatting about yeah. West Ham in a radio studio in Southwark we decided to carry it on as a Zoom call um, or as a Zoom-based podcast or whatever when lockdown hit in March. And to be now February 2021 and we've raised £6,500 for charity, uh, I've done a few bits before, but that is fantastic. And I'm really pleased and proud of uh, of all three of us there. And thanks so much again, obviously, to Chad and uh, Betway in particular, who that ultimately they're putting the money up for this but um yeah that is that is wonderful six and a half thousand quid i mean you'd have to do a lot of you know runnings and or running or bike rides or whatever lots of people do for charity lots of raffles to raise six and a half grand wouldn't you so i think mm. uh, fair play to you james this week and fair play to to all of us for that and uh like you said betway doubling it 
at the end of the season. So that 400 was actually 800 for the, uh, the charity. And I must mention, lads as well uh although this podcast will go out after the manchester united game uh, i don't want to lift the lid off of the podcast recording secret but we're recording this segment just before kickoff at old trafford therefore we don't know the result yet but chad has given us a 50 pound uh, an extra 50 pound bet on west ham to win the fa cup at 16 to 1 so uh yeah things if if we already obviously desperate for the hammers to come through it tonight. Uh, by the time you're listening to this, every one of us will know, of course. But um, yeah, if they've got through, um, there's that little added bonus if we uh, if we manage to win the cup as well. But Tom, I, you were quite far away against Villa. Both teams to score penalty to be awarded and Bowen any time. I went West Ham to score a header. Um, which again was West Ham to score a header, both teams to score on more than five and a half corners. It was just the uh, the header that I was missing. Thomas Suchek scoring with his feet for once. None of us got anywhere near uh, in the Fulham game because it was an absolutely dead game of football. Uh, none of us had nil-nil, board draw, Thomas Suchek to get unreasonably sent off at the end and absolutely nothing else to happen. None of us actually had that bet. Um, so I did promise last week that we would have the commentator on from West Ham clips, the alternative commentary, as loads of you will have heard on Twitter and Instagram, the best uh, piece of West Ham content that comes out every week. And I don't mind saying that. I think our podcast is good, but everyone absolutely loves those alternative commentaries. The Czech Patrick Vieira, Le Tible, which is the new character, Blue Passport, Beckenbauer for Craig Dawson. Um, and unfortunately, uh, we couldn't get it done for this week. The schedules, ours and uh, his didn't quite line up. Um, so next week, I guarantee you, he's going to be on. He'll be making a bet, a three bet selection for the Tottenham game so uh do tune in for that I promise uh he'll be on next week so that's something to look forward to lads the sheffield united game is uh west ham's next game sheffield united at home on monday the 15th of february uh, uh tom we'll go to you first what have you gone for i've gone with uh west ham to win by more than 1.5 goals ben rama to eventually score anytime in over 5.5 corners yeah like you said it's great to be part of uh raising some money for charity but ideally i need another over the line to to get the confidence going and to raise a little bit more for isla well maybe if you stop betting on by uh, your fanboy Ben Rama and Bowen to score all the time, yeah. <laughs> you'd actually win some cash. Did you say over 5.5 or 8.5 corners there? Tom? I said 5.5. I want to get sort of if one of them comes off, I don't want to lose it by the corners, basically. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course, which I'd done a couple of weeks ago. Very frustrating indeed. Jonesy, what have you gone with? I've gone uh, West Ham to win naturally. Uh, over two and a half goals and our, our boy Jesse Lingard to, to get on the score sheet again inspired by that, that incredible debut against Villa yeah. um, quite quite against Fulham but now uh, his first game at London Stadium in Claret and Blue and I fancy him to fancy him to get back on the score sheet like it like it yeah I got I got well and truly caught up with the hype after the Aston Villa game pulled him into both of my uh, my main fantasy team and my draft fantasy team 
that I do as well. And I uh, thought, yeah, yeah, definitely. I've found, I've uncovered a gem here, got in there before everyone else. Absolutely rubbish against Fulham. Very disappointing <laughs> indeed. But yeah, so my bet for the Sheffield United game, I tried to go a little bit different this week. West Ham to win and West Ham to keep a clean sheet and uh, Thomas Suchek to score any time. A little bit nervous about that clean sheet part, but we've looked solid at the back this season. Um, Sheffield United up until recently, had looked blunt in front of goal, so I'm hoping we can uh, at least keep a shutout and uh, Super Thomas Suchek to carry on his rampant goal-scoring form. So as always, if you want to back those bets in real life, you can do that on the Betway website or app. Just go to the West Ham v Sheffield United game and under the pre-built bet uh, section, you'll scroll down and you can find the We Are West Ham podcast bets. They'll have my name, Tom's name and James' names on our appropriate bets we've just read out there. So if you like the sound of one of those, you can go and back those on the uh, website or the app yourself. So that's that one, lads. Uh, Well done, Jonesy, for for adding to the pot. Slow and steady it's been this season. Uh, Fingers crossed we can get some more against the Blades and uh, yeah, all three of us back in the hammers to win so fingers crossed on that one but stay with us because next up we've got a the traveling blade sheffield united fan for our opposition view to let us know if those bets have got any chance of coming in or if we're just talking out of our backside stay with us because we've got that next So some positive news there. James Jones winning 400 quidlies on his charity bet for the DT38 Foundation. That's some um, light amongst a very gloomy tunnel on the We Are West Ham podcast tonight after that Man United defeat. I'm still not over it. And uh, yeah, James Jones is still grinning on the other end of the camera because he loves it when I get furious, which is just making me even more mad. But I'm delighted to say that we're looking forward now to the next game in the Premier League. I'm sure the uh, 120 minutes in the legs of the West Ham players tonight will come as a great delight to the travelling blade who joins us, Sheffield United yeah. fan, to look ahead to that game Monday night at the London Stadium, West Ham v Sheffield United. Mate, it's great to have you with us. Uh, thanks for thanks joining for us having. and uh, hanging on late after extra time for us. Yeah, I bet you're, no uh, bet you're absolutely buzzing with that um, few, extra few minutes in our legs tonight, aren't you? Yeah, it's um or oh, any you know any advantage we can get, we definitely need at this time. Uh, you know, we look very leggy despite you know we've just been everyone's been running around us all season. Yet we're the ones that look leggier than the rest of the league. So any <laughs> any chance that can uh, tie you out a bit more, no doubt we'll go the length tomorrow with Bristol City and lose on penalties. So you know I'll have egg on my face then. But any any advantage we can you know get from anywhere is always welcome. Well, absolutely. That is one small mercy from our point of view, I suppose, that A, you have got a game uh, in the FA Cup still after us. And as you say, obviously not against Manchester United, Bristol City, probably a little bit of a kind of game for you guys. But um, yes, one day closer, I suppose. We're grabbing onto silver linings here at the moment. But just looking uh, forward to sort of the game on, on Monday night, you've got 11 points now, still bottom of the league. Burnley in 17th for a full 12 points above you with 23. Chelsea at the weekend, I thought you were really unlucky. You had some had some big chances. Burke, when it was still nil nil, yeah. you looked you look a lot more dangerous in front of goal than you have for large parts of the season. For large games, you just didn't look like scoring for months. 
No, I mean a lot of this season. I mean it's still it's still not good now. But the fact that um, we're actually some we you know like I, I think back to the Southampton game away when we we lost three nil and we were we were nowhere near it, absolutely nowhere near. It. I think we had like twenty odd percent possession that game. Um, every time we had the ball, we just lost it. And now the fact that we can actually pick, get the ball, actually look up, run forward, uh, actually string some passes together, actually have some shots. Actually, score a few goals now and again. Now, um, his stock is in stark contrast to the rest of the season before Christmas, at least. Where it, even though it's not good now, it was absolutely abysmal then. We just couldn't. Basic football was just miles beyond us. Just finding a pass over five yards to a teammate in space, <laughs> we couldn't do that then. Now we do that. You know, sometimes we manage to do that, but I think the mentality has picked up. I think the cup, the cup form. Um, has helped us. The wins against Bristol City and Plymouth, uh, Bristol Rovers and Plymouth, sorry, have helped massively. Massive scalps, um, massive scalps. I know. <laughs> We've got to get wins from somewhere, anyway, and it just gave us a, a bit of belief. And we, you know, going on to beat Man United as well, which was uh, uh, unbelievable. I still can't believe that actually happened. But I think the mentality has sort of kicked in, but just far too late. And I think, um, you know, the quality hasn't been there. and you know, we didn't have we didn't have massive. You know, we didn't have, we didn't have great quality players last season, but it, uh, everything just ticked over us for, and the mentality was there. It was a really positive, can-do, fearless attitude last season. Whereas for most of this season, we have looked absolutely terrified to be anywhere near that ball. Not so bad now, but too little, too late. Is there any threat over? Obviously, Chris Wilde is a, a club legend, and rightly so. Like he's done so much for you guys, but. Is there a worry that there's a slight burnout and there is cycles like we've seen with Klopp's Liverpool side? It works in cycles football weirdly. And is there a worry that Wilder might have run his course at Sheffield United? Is there any fans calling for him? What What's the opinion on him at, up at your ends right now? I think at one point there were a few like Maverick fans going like, "Oh, Wilder needs to go," and I, I just think that like he's a victim, as are the players, a victim of their own success. Like I think. Um, he came in in 2016. I think if we were still in the championship now and we were, say, top five in the championship, top six in the championship, I don't think any Chef U fans would be really complaining about Wilder saying, oh, you know, it's not good enough. I think the fact that we've just come up so quick, uh, spent two seasons in the championship, uh, performed so well in the Premier League last year, um, I think some Chef U fans thought, oh, it's going to carry on, you know. And I think we were a victim of our own success. And I think we sort of, I don't know, sort of like outgrew ourselves, like got got too good for our own good. And sort of, um, I think, yeah, there is a burnout, like you mentioned. And I think, I still think, even though there is a bit of burnout, I think um, it's still sort of, we need to be, uh, have, have a great sense of perspective of what players we've got. Um, and actually it's just like, now, yeah, the magic has worn off and it's, a, it's back down to reality. Um, with the players we have, um, but sort of like glass glass half full, you know. Don't be annoyed of where we are. Still be amazed at what happened, and then just realise that this is where we should be. You know what I mean? This is what I expected last season to be like. Really, most of the season, this is what I thought last season, and then somehow last season we had the perfect storm that went in our favour, and everything went well. We had we had very few injuries last season, and like I said the mentality was there from the from the get go. Um, and I think a victim of his own success. And I think like our owner, Prince Abdullah, said, um, I don't think anyone could do a better job this season. I don't think anyone really could have done a better job. 
you look at West Brom, they uh, they we we stuck with Wilder. They twisted with Billich. It's not really worked out with them. I'd say they've got worse since uh, Sam Allardyce has come in. They've conceded more goals. He's meant to shore up defenses. Um, yeah, we've done. Which a is little brilliant, bit by the way. All of that is brilliant. <laughs> yeah, and it's just. Um, I think when we inevitably go down into the championship, we may as well. Um, I think stick with Chris Wilder. We're only, we are where we are. You know, the reason we're in this, you know, bottom of the Premier League is because of him. Without him, we wouldn't. We we shouldn't be anywhere near the Premier League, let alone, um, you know, at the bottom of it. And I just think um, I can't remember what I was going to say then. But no, I think you know, going forward in the long term, you know. I'd like to see Chris Wilder stay, well, forever, ideally. Um, but I think try and mimic or echo what Burnley did with Sean Dyche, stuck with him, went down, came back up again, strong, you know, and came back stronger. So hopefully we can do the same with Chris Wilder. And I think in a world of, uh, you look at Chelsea, um, rash decisions, I think, you know, chopping and changing, not just Chelsea, a lot of clubs now, there's no patience with managers. Um, I think it's nice just to stick with, stick with someone and repay Chris for the year. Uh, incredible job that he's done he's like I said he's almost made a rod with his for his own back with uh, how brilliant yeah. he's been for us well that's what Sam Sam Allardyce said sorry James I'll let you go Sam I just remember Sam Allardyce saying that Wally Downs uh, the old West Ham assistant manager was on the podcast early this season and said the same thing about Allardyce when after he come up with us last time we were relegated I think we came 10th the first year and then the next season it was pretty sort of 13th or 12th and Wally Downs was saying it was a really good achievement uh, by Sam and but because we came 10th that first season back the next season because it was not that or better and we came 12th all the fans were furious and thought oh we're going backwards blah 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 and it almost exactly what you're saying victim of his success sorry James I know you're going to go then that's cool I, I'm interested to hear a little bit more about Ryan Brewster and, and what's happened to him at, at Sheffield United because back in the summer when Sheffield United bought him I was like, God, that's a good signing. I wouldn't have minded if if we'd have signed him because we could we could have done with a, a striker. And he came with a lot of pedigree from Liverpool, um, and it hasn't worked out for him. And a lot of West Ham fans will know that we have a bit of a knack of ending players' um, goal droughts. You know, we're always the team that a player will end a goal drought against or score his first goal for his club against. And I'm just wondering whether there's any danger of that happening this weekend or not with Brewster. Is he improving or is he just is he just way out of his depth? I think there is a bit of that out of his depth. Um, I mean, I, I thought it, I think it was almost like a a bad move for him. I think if he had moved to uh, uh, West, you know, I'd moved to you. You've uh, you've had a pretty good season, a bit inconsistent at the start, but now you've hit some really good form and maybe even pushing for a top four spot. I, I definitely, I think Europa League at least. Um, so I think because you're playing, you've played much better than we have this season. Um, it have definitely. I think he's a bit of a luxury player. He needs a bit of time and space on the ball. Um, and he's a bit of a look, like I said, he's a luxury, he's a luxury that we can't afford. We sort of need your your like your, your gritty strikers, sort of like the, the strikers that have come good for us this season, sort of your Billy Sharp, sort of, you know, your arse and elbows out, holding the ball up, rugged, rugged, well, rugged defenders, rugged strikers, really gritty, strong strikers. Um, Doing the ugly the stuff, work. yeah. Yeah, that's it. And I think that... Um, with Rian Brewster, yeah, he's had a few sparks here and there, but I think it was just for him to, for a player like that to come into a relegation threatened side and try and turn on the, you know, turn, turn the spark on. I think it was too much to ask of him. Yeah, he was at Liverpool, but didn't get too much of a run out in the first team, really. I don't know how much he played for them, probably 
under 23s level. And I think it's just, it, it was sort of maybe right player, wrong time for us, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it'd have been better yeah. for him to move to another club such as yourselves, perhaps, that have had a better season, playing better football. Whereas at times where. Do you think the Premier League is too much for him, though? It, it like another season in the championship, maybe. I mean, he did really well for Swansea in the championship. Um, I'm not obviously I'm not I'm not seeing how they actually played with him, but I just think that it's it's too he gets bullied out of the game too much, he gets muscled out of the game too much. And when we had um, David Brooks, even David Brooks in the championship, which is also you know, you get you know, get, get some it's hard defenses to break down. You thought because he's a you know, he's about he's about five seven. He's very, uh, you know, he's lean, he's, he's quite, you know, he's thin, there's nothing to him. You think, you know, I'll get bullied off the ball, but he uses like agility and skill to get out of it. You know, he thought he used what he had. So, yeah, he didn't have strength, but he used, you know, his agility to get out of situations and keep the ball despite not being strong. And I thought, oh, Bruce might be the same, but he just seems to be bullied off the ball or he'll never get to the ball first. If he does, he'll just get shouldered off it. And not really foul, it just seems to be... Uh, snuffed out of every single game and it's he didn't seem to get any chance on the ball maybe if he got some of the ball he would be able to you know turn a bit of the spark on and show some flair and get a couple of goals but he's not it's getting much time on the ball not allowed that at the moment we need players yeah. that can yeah it's it's, it's just not it's, i don't think it's the right situation for him to be fair yeah he, i yeah. think he is especially at least in our situation i don't know if he's i don't know if he's out of depth in the prem as a whole but He's not the strike you need when you're where we are, you know. Not when I mean? you're, you what, and you're of, fighting against relegation, yeah. yeah. Well, look, um, yeah. you know, just and we, I ask this every time we have a Sheffield United guest on. I know Tom wants to uh, talk to you about how you think the game's going to play out and all that sort of thing, but just from my point of view, I ask this all the time. What, because uh, I still think of fans, you know, this strange little rivalry popped up between our two clubs back in 2007, Carlos Tevez and, uh, yeah. and all that, all that carry on, despite the fact that um, I still, one of the worst away days ever was going up to Bramwell Lane when Michael Tong whacked in a free kick and you beat us 3-0 and Tevez was nowhere <laughs> to be seen. But uh, what's the, from, from your point of view, like I say, I ask it all the time. And I get varied answers from Blades fans and, and journalists who cover the club and all that sort of thing. What's your take on on the rivalry between between our two clubs? Is it something that you still sort of feel really strongly about or do you not care? Because I have every time we play you now, I'm desperate to win because I absolutely loved that season and love Tevez and and I sort of got <laughs> well and truly caught up with it all. And every time we play you, yeah. I'm like, yeah, come on, I really, really want to win. But I get the sense sometimes that <laughs> Blades fans just don't care as much as I do. I mean, it's um. I think I think um. I'm probably like the wrong Blades fan to ask for this because um. Like, I've always been like a Chef U fan, but I only really started properly following Chef U like when we dropped into League One. Right. Um. So I can't remember the, the season was that. The, was it 2006, 2007 when Tevez happened? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I like I wasn't even aware that it happened. Like the first time I was aware of it um, was when I got um. Tevez in match attacks and I said oh dad look at that he's a good one because he's like man of the match and I said oh balls to him he flipping cheated us I was like did he? <laughs> I was like I, I, like, I knew that I was a few fan but I didn't really follow football much so I was like that was the first time I found out when I got Tevez man of the match <laughs> so I've never had that um, uh, burning hatred for West Ham myself I know it's been there and I'm sure if you ask to speak to most Chef United fans a couple of years older than myself um, in the like 30s and that they will be like you know you're to a lot of Chef U fans, 
West Ham are like one peg below Wednesday in terms of how much <laughs> yeah. you hate them. And I don't really see it that I sort of when I'm at the game, I sort of get into it, but it's just because like the fans are going back and forth, so like I really buy into it. And I remember last season when we came to your place, um, there was a few like I think there's a few Tevers masks knocking about outside, and um. I was in the away end on the top tier. And when you went 1-0 up, this bloke had a chuffing Carlos Tevez flag. He's like waving <laughs> it at us, going, you know, like Papa Jew. And so everyone's flagging him off. And then when we equalised, we just sort of ran over to him going like, yeah, shut the fuck up, flagging him off. Because <laughs> he was giving it big time Charlie when they scored with Tevez flag. So I buy into all that thing. and um, But like, I've never had the burning hatred of the Tevez thing, like, when I looked back, it's like, oh, that was probably really. I'm glad. I, I'm glad I wasn't really following at the time because it would have really, really pissed me off. And I'm sure if that happened now, um, the same thing happened now. I would like carry the good forever. But yeah, because yeah, I sort yeah. of came to it, came to it after. Um, I've never really had the thing. I just sort of see where someone go. Oh, yeah, that's the one that most Blade fans say. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I sort of like it at the game just because of like a bit of banter going between the fans. And I think even when we play played you in the league cup back in 2014 i believe um i think i've seen a video on youtube there's like west ham fans going like there's only one cars tevers and that's when there was two there was like a league between us so yeah yeah. and that yeah. meant a lot of chef you fans when we beat you on penalties then but i mean for me that was a good it doesn't night. mean too much i love it at the game you know because i always just buy into the atmosphere and get carried away with it all but i don't carry much good because i like i i didn't like witness it live if you know what i mean so yeah, sure. but i think most chef you fans Especially ones older than me, uh, definitely, proper, definitely have quite a strong defence. Yeah. yeah. Go on, Tom. Sorry. Um, yeah, no, go on. I was just going to say, you, you guys this season have struggled to to score goals, and how do you feel like a point's not good enough anymore with, with the amount of games you've got left? No. You sort of got to go out and, and win these games now. How do you feel like you're going to set up? Do you feel like you're going to come deep because we've often struggled against sides who tend to sit deep, but we're good defensively, so you need to show a bit of threat to have a chance at us. What do you think of the things we'll, we'll be wary of this weekend? I mean, I think we will try and attack the game as best we can. I remember one thing I noticed, I don't know if I do, it was just the angle I was at, that your pitch seemed really big. And I remember last season, even when we were playing well, uh, especially in the first half, it looked like we were like trying to walk through a treacle at times, running forward. I think it's just the angle I was sat at. Um, I just think, you know, I really, I think we're going to have to try and attack it. You know, Chris Wilder, well, he does try and go and, well, sometimes it doesn't, at this point, there's a few times this season where it's not looked like it, but I think we do try and go and win every game. And we don't, we're not a team uh, like Newcastle, not so much now, but like a month or so back and they just sat back every game. I don't think we will do that because there's no point, you know what I mean? There's, there's honestly no point in trying to defend. We may as well go out, you know, die fighting, if you know what I mean. Um, so I think we'll, we'll set up as we always do, 3-5-2, 5-3-2. Um, we're nowhere near as good as we were last season with getting forward because we've lost Jack O'Connell. Uh, the wing-backs aren't as good. So in terms of going forward, and then defensively, everything, honest, everything's been rubbish this season. Hence how we are where we are. <laughs> Every single aspect of our play has been woeful, whether it's the striking, the goalkeeper, passing, name an aspect of the play, and it's been rubbish, honestly. So <laughs> We know how you feel, just, mate. It's just everything's been absolutely shocking, hence why we are where we are. Um, I think we're going to have to, we'll, we will, I think we will try and attack it. How much success we'll have on that, I think if your midfield can string a few passes together, that's lights out for us because our, our midfield really struggles to get to move out of midfield and try and create an attack. 
Um, like I said, you've got some great talent up front, uh, some fast talent as well, which could cause us a whole world of pain. So I just think, I don't think there's any point in us trying to sit back. Um, <laughs> or attack forced, by the sounds of it. <laughs> we might be forced into it by you, but I hopefully we, I don't think we're going to try and aim to do that, but we just might be forced into it by being rubbish. But yeah. <laughs> I think we'll try and attack the best we've got, see what happens. Hopefully yeah. we can pull off like another Old Trafford away. Yeah, well, that sounds, you know, like, like Tom said there, we do perform better against teams who come at us. But uh, obviously the effects of tonight's game um, for West Ham and uh, Wednesday nights for the Blades could have a big impact uh, on the players. But look, just before we let you go, really appreciate you joining us. Uh, just give us Thanks a quick, very brief uh, score prediction for Monday night's game at the London Stadium. 2-1 West Ham. It is nice uh, for us to speak to fans every now and then. I know it's not that enjoyable for you, but we've just got that glum, <laughs> resigned feeling that they've got to watch yeah, team again at the it, weekend. Well, look, that's uh, Travelling Blade there. Thanks very much for joining us. We Cheers, appreciate thanks for you. having me, guys taking the time especially this late at night after the West Ham no Man United game so it sounds good Jonesy just before uh, we move on to the next section really really quickly your prediction for Monday 3-1 West Ham 3-1 to West Ham Tom what are you going 2-0 uh, West Ham 2-0 West Ham I think it's going to be a bit of a grim Probably. affair again two tired teams not going to be much in it West Ham win by the odd one so I'm going to go 1-0 to the Hammers but Travelling Blade thanks very much for joining us and so stay with us because thanks for having me We've got Name That Game next. So the travelling blade there. I absolutely love doing the opposition view. Lads, it's great to talk to uh, fans and journalists alike who, uh, for a different perspective on their clubs, always intriguing to chat to Sheffield United fans as well, mainly because we find out that they don't hate us anywhere near as much as we hate them. In fact, they just think we're a little bit pathetic for <laughs> looking into that rivalry as much as we do but as ever I am desperate for us to beat them just in homage to Carlos Tevez it was his birthday the other day by the way very worth uh, mentioning that right now happy birthday Carlos and I still love you as much today as I did back in 2000 and god when that seems like a million years ago 2000 and whenever that was seven um, that picture of uh, remember that picture of uh, Javier Mascherano the iconic one Mascherano and Tevez just looking confused thinking where the hell am I next to Alan Pardew holding up their yeah. massive shirt <laughs> yeah. what an iconic photo that is I had that in my room for absolutely ages but um, nearly at 30 years of age I figured it's time to get rid of my football posters but lads look enough about enough of that faffing around it's name that game the stuff that really matters the competition that means the most to all three of us. Uh, Josie, I mean, I don't want to keep rubbing it in because you know I'm not that sort of bloke to do that to you. Um, <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, you are bottom of the league. It was 19 points you were sitting on for ages when me and Tom were deep in the doldrums of the early teens and the tens. But now I am in second place. Uh, Tom Edwards edging ahead of me last week. He's on 28 at the top of the leaderboard, Tom. Uh, I'm in second place on 27. And Jonesy, who is Quizmaster this week, on 26. That golf could get even bigger. He doesn't look phased by it. He's not in the mood to be rattled by me this week, which I admire in him because I know I can be a wind-up 
at times, but he's rising above it. He's going to deliver his game in a professional manner, I can already tell. And I'm also assuming that it's going to be a rogue nil-nil game from about 1993. So me and Tom don't know anything about it and we get zero points each. Am I right? Uh, you are so far off. Um, <laughs> it's it's incredible. Uh, but the more I think about it, um, just wondering whether Tom might be a little bit too young to, to remember this game. Oh, yeah, um, don't I worry. hope so. But, but, should but, 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 but we'll soon find out. We'll soon find out. Are you guys <laughs> ready? If it's 2015 or before, he's too young. <laughs> Somebody texted me earlier. I've already got the answers. <laughs> right, right here we go then. Here we go. So, uh, Obscure Facts is, uh, in this game, saw a very unlikely brace from a West Ham icon. Oh, right. I'm going to have a guess. And I'm going to say 3-0. That's incorrect. 3-2. Um, that is also incorrect, boys. Uh, right, what's the scoreline then, Jonesy? And we'll have a guess at the opposition goal scorer. Scoreline was 2-2. Two, two. My favourite, Desmond. Ooh, blimey. Ooh, yeah. So we need an opposition goal scorer. Um, can I go? Go on, Tom. Yeah, have a go, mate. I've got nothing. Uh, Robin Van Persie. That is correct. Oh, no. One nil with a ton. Uh, He's got it. Need, need the West Ham goal scorer. Oh, no. I know Tom's got this. He obviously has, and I'm a bit snookered here. Right, I'm going to go Jonathan Spector. That is definitely not correct ah oh, no um oh, it was James Collins it was James Collins unlikely brace from from Ginge in a 2-2 draw Robin Van Persie <laughs> where was it <laughs> well I'm gonna go I still... ah. <laughs> Upton Park that's correct. Give <laughs> Thank it God. Thank God for that. Yeah, yeah. Give it that. Um, United, Manchester United. That is correct. Blimey. So, um, the season, please. Uh, I still for a consolation. I still genuinely haven't got a clue. Um, I'm going to go for 2000 and... 1415. No, incorrect. Incorrect. Um, Tom? I think it's 2012, 2013. That is correct, mate. Oh. That is bang on. What was that? Oh, five, is that is that 5 1? That was a is bit of a drubbing. I didn't yeah, keep it. Yeah. I'm not, I wasn't that 5 1? <laughs> I don't remember a joke that about that game. That fixture. That's a good is, one, Jody, that. FA, FA Cup third round, 5th of January 2013. Um, Ginge, uh, we were one nil down. Tom cleverly scored for United, and Ginge gets, scores a brace either side of half time. Robin Van, Vers- Robin Van Persie, 90th minute equaliser to take the replay yeah. as well. Trafford, uh, FA Cup third round 2013. Wasn't oh. it, um, Jonesy? Was it Joe Cole's first game back or something as well? Yeah, he was in the starting 11. Uh, yeah. I think that might have been his first game back. Yeah, uh, well. Bravo, Tom. Even now, as there you're saying that, I don't remember any of it still. 
I don't, two, I don't, big towering, two, two big towering yeah. ginger, classic ginger headers. Yeah. I just remember being there gutted and it was a gigs yeah. ball over the top to Van Persie and everyone was just yeah. loving gigs in the oh, media. Oh, I do gutted. remember. Van yeah, Persie, right absolute peach goal. at the far post, yeah. wasn't it? It was a well yeah. nice goal, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah the build yeah, up yeah. to it was was typical United build up play. Yeah. Oh, well, fair play, Tom. I mean, what a what a streak he's having the last few weeks. Jonesy, can you update us on the scores? So that was five one. Um, so that puts Tom on thirty three. Was it? Hang on. Was it five one or four one? Yeah. Was it? None of us got the score line. Oh yeah, four one. Four one. Okay, oh, so thirty two. Cool. Sorry. Yeah. Look right. at this. Yeah. Thirty two. Will on a twenty eight. Oh, so that keeps good, me still within within distance, but Tom's leading with 32, Will on 28, and me on 26. Absolutely. Um, so well, I'm, Tom, a, I'm actually pleased with that. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, not bad. That keeps you in touch and distance, doesn't it? But fair play, Tom. Uh, nice game. Jonesy, very on point, given uh, the game that we... <clears throat> the uh, Obviously, the Man United in the FA Cup. We just played them all the time, don't we? Always get drawn. Yeah against Man United in the FA Cup. But yeah, fair play, Tom. Excellent streak you're on at the moment. Miles out at the top of the leaderboard there. Well, look, stay with us because uh, Tom Edwards might have won that and on an excellent run of form in name that game. But one team who are not on a good run of form is the West Ham women's team. And we'll look into their defeat at Chelsea in the semi-final of the League Cup last week. And that one all draw, which feels like a loss away to Bristol City in the WSL at the weekend. We'll have all of that with Sandra Brobby, sports journalist and WSL expert from The Sun, next. So that was Name That Game here on the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, Tom Edwards and James Jones. I'm delighted to say for our last segment, as we do every single week on the podcast, joining us or returning guest is Sandra Brobby, WSL expert and sports journalist from The Sun newspaper to chat all things West Ham women. Sandra, great to have you back with us again. We appreciate you giving us your time as always. And it's not been a great week for West Ham to to be honest, thrashed 6-0 at Chelsea in the League Cup semi-final last Thursday. Probably an expected result, to be fair. Obviously, being on the end of a 6-0 is never good. But more worryingly is the one-all draw at Bristol City on Sunday in the WSL, which leaves them 11th, just two points off the bottom. And, I mean, we'll start with that game, I think, because it's most recent. We were chatting a lot of the time this season and I've been guilty of it most weeks Sandra saying oh you know Bristol City are bottom and they look doomed so luckily there's only one relegation spot in the WSL so the girls should be safe Matt Beard former West Ham manager of course has gone in there seems to have transformed their fortunes almost overnight even the first game they lost uh, they put in a good performance um, you know West Ham getting just a point there at the weekend, that was a massive, massive must-win game for the girls. And all of a sudden, relegation looks like a very real threat. Yeah, I mean, I think the one thing that's going in West Ham's favour, I guess, is the game in hand. But, I mean, Bristol are going under some kind of resurgence under Matt Beards. I mean, he was relishing um, that West Ham game. I mean, I spoke to him just after Bristol beat Leicester to make it to the League Cup um, finals. And he was just saying that, you know, I said to him, well, what, you know, what are your thoughts about facing West Ham? He says, well, look, I'm just, I'm the Bristol boss now. And, um, you know, my thoughts were just on Bristol, but I think they were feeling confident that they were going to win it. They were disappointed that they didn't win. 
at the um, at the weekend. So, and obviously the the run of games that um, West Ham have got coming up. I mean, you've got Brighton tomorrow, and then you've got a Brighton who are probably going to be absolutely charged because they're you know the only team to beat Chelsea in two years. And then after that, after the international break, you've got Chelsea again, who are you know probably going to be furious that they've you know lost that unbeaten run plus a Birmingham City side that have strengthened as well with some good young talent in Ruby Mace from Arsenal, Emily Murphy from Chelsea, and then Man United. But um, I think with West Ham, the challenge at the moment is the goal scoring in the league. I mean, you know, obviously prior to being hammered by Chelsea in that that semis and the, the League Cup. They, Unintended, you know, I hope. Sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that that oh, sort of thing's always welcome on this podcast, Sandra. Don't worry yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah, no, but I mean, prior to sorry, being defeated by Chelsea in that um the league, you know, League Cup semis, they had a decent performance against Durham, who've been doing well in the championship. I know it's the league below, but you know, Durham are unbeaten in the championship. But it's just I think goals is is the, an issue for them at the moment. And I think Rachel Daly definitely you know, her creativity not being there is a bit of a loss. And then obviously they've, they've uh, you know, lost Alicia Lehrman on loan. Should I say lost, but she's gone on loan. And then, you know, I think that they're just, there's something in terms of, they need in terms of more impetus up front in terms of the attack. Where um, do you think, uh, before I let the lads jump in, Sandra, where do you think that's going to come from though? Because like I say, when, when clubs change managers, as we've seen at, at Bristol that we've already mentioned, Matt Beard's gone in there and whatever it is, just that new manager energy seems to be seeping its way into their team and their squad already. The same hasn't really happened, it seems, with Ollie Harder at West Ham. And like you say, you mentioned the players leaving there. You feel like the squad is in a bit of almost a weaker position at this stage of proceedings in early February than perhaps it was around Christmas time, which is quite worrying because they weren't in, in that good shape then. Do you think that, I know you mentioned the game in hand that West Ham have got over Bristol underneath us, but do you, can, can you see that attacking impetus or the points needed? Can you see them coming from anywhere or is, is it, it's not over the top, I think, to start talking about relegation now, would you agree? I think they're, yeah, they're definitely in a, a relegation battle. I mean, if they need to, ideally, they need to win against Brighton tomorrow just to give themselves a little bit of a safety net because um, Bristol are going to have a hard, a toughish game against Tottenham. Um, you know, they're fairly, they're, you know, apart from obviously the loss against Chelsea, they, Tottenham are doing decently under Rianne Skinner. Um, I mean, yeah, I, hopefully they can get a point or they can win against Brighton tomorrow to give themselves that bit of an impetus. And in terms of, you know, just new manager lift and you know kind of like a boost they've signed an Icelandic international um, forward called um, Danny Brynja's daughter from she was from a, a club called Self Selfos but she also played um, in uh, the NWSL for Portland Thorns won the NWSL championship with them I'd like to see her and just to see whether she might be able to do something up top for them I haven't seen anything of her yet brought in on transfer deadline day. She wasn't in the squad. I don't know what's, I haven't checked to see what the situation is, but maybe, you know, if they we see a run out from her, she might add something to it. But, um, but yeah, they need something. They need a bit of a bounce or a lift, definitely, and definitely more goals in the league, I think, just to really help them in terms of this scrap at the bottom because it's getting quite tight around there. <laughs> yeah. Sandra, obviously with a, uh, a slightly unexpected relegation battle now now on our hands and obviously the change of managers um a lot of pressure already on ollie harder there's been a lot of uh, a fair amount of investment from the club into uh, the women's team obviously jack sullivan's been given you know the the reins for 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 the women's club um can 
can West Ham really afford to, to be relegated? Because, you know, OK, they've not had the same sort of investment as, you know, some of the bigger clubs, the likes of City and Chelsea and, and Arsenal. But it's been it's still been a, a, a decent level of investment into, into the women's side and relegation from, you know, from, from a lot of people that have seen that investment might seem like a bit of a disaster. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to hope that it, that's not going to be the case and they've got enough that they can stay up. I mean, it... I mean, so there's a few games in March that, you know, quite that possibly challenging, but you hope that they've got enough there. I mean, it would be a shame considering, like you say, how much support and investment the, the club have put into the women's team um, in terms of how much of, of a profile they've been given, how much support Jack Sullivan's given them, you know, in terms of pushing their, the profile of the team. So, I mean, you'd hope that they don't go down. I mean, you've seen what's happened with them, obviously, with, with Liverpool going down and, the, the, and it, how challenging and competitive it is. Um, in the championship at the moment, obviously, you know, people will, I think people are thinking they'd instantly come back up again, but then you sort of, you know, who knew that Leicester would come from nowhere and Durham and obviously Sheffield United as well. And it's quite competitive down in, in that division. So fingers crossed for West Ham that they, you know, they can survive this and, 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 you know, bounce back in the league and turn their form around. Sandra, obviously we've mentioned it a little bit, but the 6-0 loss against Chelsea in that semi-final of the League Cup is, is a big, big thing to overcome, especially so early on in Oli Harder's reign. Is there a worry that, considering the squad's lost a bit of their experience they had, like you mentioned, Lima and Daly, is there a worry that this squad might struggle and this, this form could continue on? Because a result like that can really hammer in a season. How do you think they need to get over that going forward? Well, just like you say, more goal scoring. I mean, there were times in the second half of that game where they were trying, and I know these brought in like more of a pressing game and getting them to press, um, you know, as much as possible. Um, and you, we'll see, I think we'll see what happens with Brighton. If they can do something, even if it's a draw against Brighton, it's better than a loss, but hopefully mm -hmm. they might get some uh, momentum from that. The international break might be a welcome break, possibly yeah. just to kind of like regroup, I think. And, uh, you know, just to, you know, have a you know, some time off and just away from a slightly difficult run this month certainly you know in terms of some of the games but um I mean I hope if they lose tomorrow that's a bit problematic <laughs> grim <laughs> grim is the word yeah yeah yeah, yeah you just, you yeah. just want them at least a point or two to, you know to, to like or pick up the win so they can just get the you know things going again this year in particular and, and to give harder his first win and to just take that pressure I guess a little bit off of him yeah, I think that's what obviously, like you mentioned, the yeah. win he got against Durham, which is good. It's that that league win that he that he really wants to get under his belt, and I think everyone connected with the club would have highlighted Sunday as the best opportunity to do that. Just uh, obviously, understandably, Sandra, it's been a bit of a a bit of a dour sort of conversation so far, given um, given the form of West Ham in the last week. It's uh, almost inevitable, unfortunately. I think it's, it's definitely worth noting on that League Cup result. Obviously, 6-0 is not a good way to finish it, but getting to the League Cup semi-final is still a big achievement. So at the beginning of the season, if if you'd put that down as, as where the, the girls would have ended up getting down to the last four, that's definitely to be applauded. So obviously a shame the way it, the way it finished. But on, on that note of trying to extract some positivity where we can, what looking forward, what, uh, where, where would you, if you're, if there's some West Ham women's fans listening to this at the moment going, 
oh, it's not been a good couple of months. I'm not massively enthused about Ollie Harder. We've lost Rachel Daly, et cetera, et cetera, all the things we've touched on. If you were asked to inject a bit of hope into those fans about the uh, the prospects for the coming weeks and months, what would you say to them? Well, just to look out for Danny Brignazotti in her debut, to see what she can bring to the team, to see whether she can add some impetus into, into their attack. Um, I mean, like you say, yeah, reaching the semis uh, was a good achievement. Uh, a decent performance against Durham. Uh, if we, you know, if they can pick up a point or all the points tomorrow, then that would make all the difference. It would give them something kind of like, you know, a nice win before the international break, something to build on going forward for the rest of the season. I mean, I guess that the, the pluses are it's quite tight down there and, you know, they do have that game in hand and, and it's, they, you know, they've been doing reasonably well in the week the league for some time now so yeah I'm sure that I'm sure they've got enough in there that they should be able to stay up in with yeah. you know, the quality in that in the in the squad and a lot of experience and you know and a, and a great captain in Jilly Flaherty so hopefully they'll you know have enough in there to stay up um you know yeah Absolutely, absolutely. Well, 12 games, eight points for the girls so far. Bristol City bottom, 13 points. Sorry, 13 games, six points. Uh, just the one win for them so far this season. And uh, Aston Villa in 10th, two points above West Ham on 10 points. Birmingham in 9th on 11. So like you say, if they, they manage to get a win against Brighton who are in 8th, that puts them one point behind Brighton. And all of a sudden, they're, um, they're back in the mix-up with all those other teams. It is just getting that first one for Ollie Harder. So fingers crossed for the girls, as Sandra mentioned there, that's Brighton away in the WSL on Wednesday night, seven o'clock kickoff uh, before Chelsea at home in the next game in the league. Well, Sandra, we really appreciate you joining us as ever. We've all got our fingers crossed for the girls and for Ollie Harder that it's just somewhere, that's all it needs at the moment. It's just for one of those results to drop and give them all a little bit of a boost and then it doesn't look so grim but very much a make or break game that at Brighton tomorrow night Sandra appreciate you joining us that is nearly it for the show tonight but stay with us because we'll have some final thoughts from the lads after what's been a roller coaster show next So that was Sandra Brobby there from the Sun WSL expert, uh, giving her view on what's been a bit of a grim week for the girls. Lads, really briefly wrapping this one up. It's a bit of a late night now after West Ham went to extra time. So just quickly, I'll run through the Fantasy Premier League points quickly. Um, it's We've got a new leader on the We Are West Ham podcast league. Congratulations to Tom Connolly's Romford Rejects. Uh, his huge 73 points this week saw so him soar to the top. He's got 1,504 overall and finally pushed Rudy Eagling's Moyes Mavericks uh, off of the top of that leaderboard. He's been there for weeks. He drops the second on 1,488. I got 61 in the week to keep me top of uh, the three of us and our mini leaderboard on 1,379. James got 76, biggest score of the week, puts him on 1,298. And Tom got 57, which was the lowest score between the three of us for the week to put him on 1,309. So Jonesy still bottom, me still top Tom in the middle uh, do follow us 
on Twitter at we are underscore West Ham. If you don't already to get involved in some polls and additional content, etc. Follow us on Instagram uh, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is the link to that channel is in the podcast description below. Right, James, Tom, very briefly, Jonesy, some final thoughts on what's been a uh, bit of a strange week for West Ham, some ups and downs and a roller coaster podcast, which I've thoroughly enjoyed. Yeah, started well at Villa. Um, terrible at Fulham um, and uh, just gutting that old track. But can't fault the boys. They played really well. Just hope we bounce back on Monday night against Sheffield United. Absolutely. Tom, brief thoughts. You've got 20 seconds. Yeah, losing a cup game is always gutting because there is no tomorrow in it. But we're still top sticks in the league. We've still got a sniff and we've still got some good players out there with winnable games coming up. So fingers crossed we'll get right back at it because the quality is definitely in that side. So come on, as Absolutely. So West Ham crashed out of the FA Cup away at Manchester United. No real shame in that. Bit of a shame about the circumstances in which it came about. An excellent win at Villa. Bit drab at Fulham. It feels like this could be the turning point of the season. But let's hope that Moyes can stop any potential slide down the league. And somehow we can be the first Premier League team ever to qualify for Europe with zero recognised strikers. That is it for this week. Thank you to everyone at home who listens and all around the world, UK, uh, London, Essex, whatever it is, uh, or Australia, wherever you are. Thank you for listening. Uh, Keep the faith, everyone. Up the hammers and we'll see you next week. Hi, this is Tony Cotty and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast. Podcast Network.